welcome to the Kids Ministry Circle podcast. Kids Ministry Circle is a community for kids ministry leaders to be encouraged and equipped to love and serve the local church. My name is Lauren Jackson, and today's conversation is so fun. But before we get to that, I have a quick announcement. We are weeks away from launching our spring cohort registration. And if you don't know what our spring cohort is, our cohorts are 12 week group coaching sessions and we meet every other week on Zoom and you just get to hang out with other kids ministry leaders. We share ideas, bring encouragement, pray for one another, share resources and all grow in our leadership and hopefully learn something new and walk away with some new ministry friends. So if you would like to pre-register, we are sending out the registration form to our podcast listeners first. So you get first access to sign up to be a part of our spring cohort. And you can head over to kidsministrycircle.com slash cohort to pre-register and sign up for early access today. All right. Now for our conversation, I invited my friend, Melanie, to join us on the podcast. We Uh, went to college together and we've served at churches in Denver together. And I am just so excited for one to hear, for you guys to hear some of her story, but also just to hear how she's leading in her unique ministry role at her church. So Melanie, welcome to the podcast. Yay, Lauren. (laughs) This is the best. (laughs) This is so fun because not only did we go to college together and serve and churches together, but I was at your wedding. You were. I filmed your wedding. Oh, that's right. I forget about that all the time. <laughs> because this might come up later because I was doing ministry and another job at the same time. Like I never had a day off for like seven years. Yep. So that's changed recently. That will probably be part of my advice <laughs> down the road in this podcast. But I I think you were my very first wedding. I think so. Ever. Yep. It was so fun. Yep. It was fun. We love that video so much. Big fans of the Jacksons. (laughs) They're from the start. So this is so fun today. It is so fun. I think, how many years later? Like Nine. Nine years later. We've been married almost nine years. And then you and I have been friends for like 10 or 11. Yep. Yep. So fun. Well, why don't you introduce yourself? Tell us how you got started in kids ministry and where you are currently serving. Yes. So... Kind of crazy. I never thought I'd be in kids ministry. I never thought I'd be ministry in general. My whole life, I wanted to be in fashion design. God changed all of that my senior year going into high school. God made it very clear for uh, Bible college in Colorado. So that's where I went. And I majored in theology and youth ministry. And then during my time (laughs) in college, I needed an internship to graduate. And I'd been going to this church for maybe two months, like not even, but I needed an internship to graduate because I was a member of another church my first two years uh, of college and then changed churches, Mm -hmm. barely been at this church. Again, needed an internship, so I applied for their intern program, got hired on the spot, obviously, which is like why they barely knew me. (laughs) They're like, ooh, college girl who just wants to work for us. And they, uh, since my degree was youth ministry, I wanted to be interned for the youth group. But the church wasn't old enough yet. They didn't have any kids in youth group. Uh-huh. They only had children. And so they're like, would you intern in children's? And I had never considered children's before. It was all junior high and up for me. Yep. And I said, sure. Again, main point, I needed an internship to graduate. <laughs> and I started January 5th or 6th, 2014. Okay. 
And it was me and a part-time gal running it. So it was, and she was around my age too. So it was like two 22 year olds. I was an intern. She was like intern part-time. It was just the two of us, which is wild now. Uh Like God, like severely protected children. So I just needed an internship to graduate it. I started January like 5th or 6th, 2014. Uh And then interned for six months. And then they asked me to be on staff July, 2014. So... 14 the rest of the semester and then 15 I was a senior in college and I was on staff at church oh my goodness and then I graduated and did part-time at the church and other part-time jobs hence um filming your wedding yep and then slowly became more and more on staff so it's kind of a joke now that's like I just needed like a one semester internship to graduate and coming up like nine years later I and director of our children's ministry. So started that as an intern. It's crazy. <laughs> as like necessity, never thinking like children's was it. And I think I'm a little biased, but I think we have the best kids in the world. They have just <laughs> captured my heart. They're amazing. To see some of them, like, I, I promise I won't cry. Like some of them were like four or five when I started and now they're taller than me and they're in the youth group. But my desire for them to like know the Lord and to like have a stronger relationship with Jesus than I could have had at their Mm -hmm. age, like it's the greatest privilege. So something that was so unexpected has become like the most fulfilling, joyful part of my life. And I just, if I've learned anything in the last nine years, it's just, I, it's all about him. Yeah. It's all about the Lord and his kingdom and the kingdom that he's making. And it's not my kingdom and it's not about me. Mm-hmm. And I'll probably talk more about that. If I ever got everything I ever wanted, it wouldn't have been like this kingdom that God is building. Yeah. And God's kingdom like means more to yeah. me. And so he's like transformed my heart almost instantaneously through that internship that I was just like, I just want kids to hear yeah. the good news of Jesus. So I'm so thankful that yeah. just a one semester internship turned into the best part of my life. Yeah. I love stories like that so much because I feel like that happens often is people are like, oh, I don't want to do kids. I don't want to do kids. I don't want to do kids. Or kids ministry is used as like a stepping stone to like, this is where, this is the starting point. And then you go like somewhere else. And I feel like kids just capture people's hearts so easily. Mm. When you see and experience the light bulb moments that kids have when you see kids just like unashamedly following Jesus with no care in the world, no care about what other people think. And you just see them really like living their life in a way that glorifies God. You're like, this is what matters. Well, and they ask good questions yeah. too. They're like unashamed to ask really good questions. And they're honest. Something some people on my team, some of my lead teachers say, like, they teach me just as much as I try to teach them. Mm-hmm. Remember this one time I was going through a really hard season. This had to be, like, six years ago. And one of our children was really upset, so I pulled him aside, and I asked him, like, what's wrong? Because we were playing this game, and it didn't go how I expected it to. Mm-hmm. And how much, like, God, like, formed and shaped my heart through mere ordinary conversations with our yeah. kids. Like, if God has already done everything necessary by dying on the cross and resurrecting for, like, Sundays to happen, then how, like, the magic of him working in ordinary moments between our team, between parents, between kids, it's just, I, I, I will never take it for granted. It's really beautiful to me. Yeah. 
I love that. So you've been in ministry at this church in Denver, Colorado for, like you just said, nine years, almost 10 years, and you've experienced a lot of highs and lows in Mm -hmm. ministry. You think about leadership transitions and how has ministry ebbed and flowed for you over your years in your role? Uh, I think as I was processing through this question, three things came to mind because it's hard to encapsulate like nine years of ebbs and flows. Mm-hmm. But one of the first things is just personal. Yeah. Like I started out at 21 and now I'm 30. So you would hope someone would change over that time. And I'm so grateful. And even the most painful things, painful decisions, painful situations, like the fruit produced in me now mm-hmm. being out of it, I'm, you couldn't take away from me. I think in the ebbs and flows, I've been so grateful that God has never left yeah. my side and is committed to like producing fruit in me um, because he's gracious and kind, mm-hmm. even when I'm unfaithful. And yeah. so I would say in the ebbs and flows, like I have changed a lot. The second thing that came to my mind is just the space. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm in a basement of a really old building. <laughs> and so I've torn down walls. We've built walls. Like everything looks different. And I think a strategy to have as a children's ministry director is you're not only thinking of plan B, but you're thinking of plan B and C and part two of C. Like <laughs> your kids yep. will grow. Like kids don't stay the same, yep. obviously. And so like my 18 kids and fives will one day be 18 kids in the fifth grade, even though mm-hmm. I only have five in fifth grade right now. So the ebbs and flows of ministry Mm -hmm. is constantly thinking dynamically and strategically. Mm -hmm. Uh, Even when that's hard for me, finding resources uh, to help push yourself out of that, finding the mentors, the coaches, the books, the kidsmen circle resources to help you think strategically. So our space has physically changed. Like it just hasn't even been the same. And then I think of our, our volunteer team. I, I mean, when I first started, I was making cold calls to people asking them to serve. <laughs> and now we've got this team that feels really vibrant, that mm-hmm. like wants to be there, that wants to serve. And we have a structure called the lead team. Mm-hmm. And so essentially I compare our leadership structure to a waterfall as I pour into the lead team, which is yep. five people who give time outside of Sundays to help think about theology, curriculum, plan events. Uh, I pour into that five and then that five pours into our lead teachers. Mm -hmm. So our lead teachers are people who are committed to a particular classroom on a particular service, leading the lesson, uh, leading the schedule. That's like their kids that they're discipling. Mm -hmm. Uh, We give them one Sunday off for rest a month because we value rest Mm -hmm. in our ministry. And, but other than that, they are like week in, week out pouring into those particular kids. And at first that seemed really scary because when I started nine years ago, it was just like, okay, who can ever be in this room? And I remember that we were still nine years ago, like still in the church plant stages. Mm -hmm. So it's like, who who can be in this room today? Now it's moved to like, who has ownership in this room? And that it felt really scary to move to like lead teacher Mm -hmm. system because we thought initially like nobody's going to want to do this. Nobody's going to want to give up their time, but our vision is compelling because we get to tell the best news of all the kids. Like if you love missions on Sunday, wherever your church is, you have an opportunity to share the gospel with a whole group of people. 
who are going to be the next generation of believers. Mm -hmm. And so once we moved to the lead teacher, it cut like scheduling in half mm -hmm. and honestly cut crying down a ton. Your own crying or the kids crying? Both. <laughs> First Miss Melanie, <laughs> then the children, which is the usual system. I stopped crying and then they stopped crying. But even, uh, for example, I mean, we saw this when we first started doing this seven years ago, but even an example a couple months ago is we had a kid that cried every single mm -hmm. time he came, yep. but he had the same teacher yep. in his room. And now I think two weeks ago, he said, yay church yeah, because there's that consistency in there. And so yeah. that's like an ebb and flow of how do you think strategically and dynamically, how do you call people to something that's worthwhile? Because it is. Yeah. And so I pour into my lead team and the lead team pours into the lead teachers. So I try to not be so top heavy that I'm the only person that anybody can go to anything. Right. And there's a beauty in empowering people to do what God has gifted them to. And then mm -hmm. our lead team pours into our support teachers and our greeter floaters as well. And yeah. so we're all pouring into another, one another. So that's a way that it's ebbed and flowed as I help point the direction they're going mm -hmm. and they help develop each other. And so my job is not to like do it all, but right. it's to lead others, to empower them, to call what God has called them to do and finding the right people with the right gifts. So mm -hmm. uh, two years ago, we did our annual training. Mm -hmm. and at the end of training, I had like this sheet and it's called a sweet spot. Like what are things that are really exciting to you? Yeah. And it's, it doesn't have to be ministry related. One girl told me she loves calligraphy. Mm -hmm. And so she made all of our beautiful calligraphy signs mm -hmm. and park kids. A whole group of people told me they love organizations. So we made like the park kids organizational team and they go crazy with the label maker and they thank me yeah. that they got to organize a closet. And I'm like, <laughs> no, this closet looked like the result of the fall. You couldn't see the floor before. And now it looks like a taste of all things new. Like you can yeah. actually like walk inside Yeah, and because I didn't have the capacity mm -hmm. to do so. So I think that's something that's ebbed and flow is like my capacity has changed mm -hmm. because it's not just me trying to do everything. It's freed me up for more yeah. kingdom things, not less. Yeah. And so instead of being like, hey, if you want to do kids ministry, we need you. Right. Saying, you, get to, you can do this. You can be a part of this, like, shepherding kids on the kingdom road. Yep. yep. That's awesome. I love, I love those stories. And I love just how over the seasons of ministry there, you've been able to persevere but also it's not like, I think you would agree over the past nine years of you being in this role, it hasn't been all like movement forward. There's been times where you've taken two steps back and one step forward and three steps back and five steps forward. And it has been like, there's always seasons of abundance and seasons of refinement. And like, as you were talking, I would love to know how you have learned to persevere and be intentional with your leaders and starting from a small ministry. Like when you started in this job, you didn't have five lead team members. You didn't have all of your lead teachers and working with a small budget and even having a small number of kids compared to what you have now. How have you been able to persevere in your leadership throughout kind of all seasons? Mm -hmm. I think context is key. Being in Denver is so different yeah. than maybe serving in Texas or in Minnesota. Like just the culture of the being in the city 
doing ministry in the city is so different. So I think how to persevere is recognizing your context and serving where your context is at. You can get a thousand resources, but if you're not thinking about where your particular people are at, Mm -hmm. that I don't see any movement forward. And I mean, we just went through COVID and I compared ministry during COVID to relearning how to ride a bike while also simultaneously riding a unicycle. Like we closed down our children's ministry for almost a year. We closed obviously March, 2020 for meeting in person. And we did online. We made personal videos for the kids, two to three videos every single week for them at home and distance events. And then we reopened physically February 9th, 2021. So it was like, how did we used to do this? I don't remember. And so I would say an abundant amount of grace for different seasons because every season's different. Nobody gave me a chapter on how to run a children's ministry during a pandemic and Bible school. And so abundant amount of grace and a trust that God like sustains you through it all. I think we might think as ministry leaders, we have to provide everything. Like people are coming to us. We have to provide and take care and we'll take care of the rest. And you just come and enjoy. But I think scripture says that we're a family and we're body and different body parts exist for a reason because we're all working together. Like we need each other. We were talking about that Bible verse in our children's ministry a couple months ago. And I asked the kids, Mike, would you want a body of just full of hands? And they're like, no, that's silly. So why do we function like only the hands can be able to provide for everybody else? And so when we see that there's a beauty that it's a family, I have discovered how talented some of my people are. And sometimes our team just needs to be asked. I can send like blanketed emails to large group of people like, hey, I need help. But I remember VBS last year, I asked, we had do neighborhood VBSs. So there's locations all over the city so we can hit different neighborhoods in Denver. And I asked all of my location leaders, like, who's someone that you think would be good in this role? And they gave me lists and I went and personally asked them Mm -hmm. instead of sending like blanketed emails to whole groups of people. And someone said to me, I never considered it before, but if so-and-so thinks I can do it, then that's like opened me up to... to know that I can do it. And so I think calling giftings out in people, I mean, that alleviates budget because you're just not providing everything yourself. And you're not killing yourself by overcommitting. God has blessed your church with lots of talented people because he's kind and he wants to. And I have a tendency to overdo it. As I talk today, like, know that this, I have not done the last nine years perfectly at Mm -hmm. all. Um, I should have said that at the front. But... Some practical ways I've, like, worked in different ebbs and flows and Mm -hmm. different intentionalities is, like, when I do meetings, I ask to bring lunch instead of, like, going out. And that helps bring that family feel. Just always what is a family, like, how can we bring feeling like a family together? I used to cater because I've gone from, on average, I have about 150 to 200 volunteers on my team. Mm -hmm. Which, side note, this doesn't fully answer your question, but I took out the word volunteer a couple years ago, so we don't say it anymore. I'll say it in this context to help contextualize it. What do you say on Sunday mornings? Team member. Okay. And so two years ago, we just just don't use that word anymore because we're all working together as a team. And so I know that they're volunteering their time. 
but I wanted to add emphasis in the language that we used yeah. because it's true. We, yeah. they are part of a team that's doing something larger together. But I used to cater all of our trainings, once a year trainings, and I've had 100 to 200 people. And not even budget-wise, but just family feel like potluck. And I know that seems like really church basic, <laughs> but I discovered how amazing potluck is and people just go all yeah. out. And it's such a beauty. Or what I mentioned earlier of like the organizational team, people want to use their giftings. Yeah. So asking people, having that intentional ask of what are your giftings, I put it in my volunteer interviews. So anytime someone applies to our team, uh, I do an interview with them and I always ask them at the end, like one, I want to get to know you and two, I want to figure out how to empower you yeah. and your gifting. So it doesn't have to be ministry related, but what are things that you're passionate about that you like, that you enjoy? And that has just helped with like the intentionalities of like, you can have seasons of abundance or seasons of refinement, but God has gift entrusted your church with really gifted, beautiful people yeah. in both of those seasons. So how do you figure out how to empower those people Yeah, in all the different seasons? Yeah. I love that because I think it's really obvious when you experience a volunteer who is serving in a space that is draining for mm -hmm. them. They don't last as long. They aren't filled with joy that is visible. And it's, it's just kind of feels like this, well, I know I'm filling a hole and I'm doing what needs to be done. And there are absolutely seasons for that where it's like, all right, especially in that church planting world, it's like, all right, buckle down. We've got to figure this out. We've got to make this become a reality and we've got to just get the hard work done. And there are absolutely seasons for that. But if you can look up and look around you as a leader and say, hey, I don't need to buy pastries for this meeting in the morning. I'm just going to ask a few people that I know love to bake and see if they're willing to bake some muffins at home and bring them. Yes, It's stuff like that that I think invites, instead of you taking it upon yourself to be like, well, I've got to do this and I've got to do this and I've got to do this, when you stop for a second and make those personal asks in line with their gifts, it allows them to participate. Yes. And I don't know if, I, if I'm doing this wrong, because this is how I've always <laughs> done it the last nine years, but I let people pick where they want to go. Yeah. So people ask me all the time, where's the biggest need? I just want to fill the need. Yeah. And I applaud them for that. That is like a spirit that we greatly welcome yep. in our children's ministry. I always say we run on flexibility and grace. So if you're happy to go anywhere, I'm also very happy that yeah. you're willing to go anywhere. But something I've always done, always said is that our team, our people, not just warm bodies and rooms to meet a quota. Mm -hmm. So I want you to be just as excited to serve as we are excited to have you. Yeah. And so I've always let people pick their frequency their, what classroom they're going to be in. And I've had seasons where I've lost this summer, I lost 40 volunteers in a month due to college kids leaving. Like summer is always the toughest in children's ministry, people moving transitions. I had nine women go on maternity leave around that time. And so I, I'm not saying like, oh, I let them pick whatever they want. And it always works out. Yeah. There are seasons where I have been I've said to myself, I don't know how Sunday's probably going to happen, but I think God has loved your children's ministry long before you and will love your children's ministry long after you, and he will take care of it. Yeah. 
And so that's why I want people to feel excited about where they're serving, because if you get really overwhelmed by babies, but you get really excited about talking to a fourth grader, then I want you to be talking with that fourth grader. So we, COVID did help in the sense of what you were saying earlier about slowing down. And I was able to slow down and I realized like our team didn't have a mission statement. So I wrote a message statement for our team, which is that we belong to a community that develops as leaders and establishes the next generation of believers. So I want them to feel like they have a place within our church, within our ministry. So that's the community developing as leaders, like developing their gifts. And then the ultimate goal is to tell kids about Jesus. Yeah. So establishing the next generation of believers. Yeah. So thankful for that time to slow down and realize, okay, we want to add, these are the elements we're already doing. Let's put words around it. And yeah. I think it's important to say that over your team over and over again. Yeah. But I want them to be excited about where they are. Uh, that doesn't fully stop me from emailing them and being like, hi, do you <laughs> mind moving classrooms right. yeah. this Sunday? So it doesn't, it doesn't, it's not the perfect puzzle piece, yeah. but it, I think it does help. Yeah. But when you talk about, when we talk about perseverance, when you're doing things as a team, where everyone's using their giftings, it allows for you as the leader to persevere because you're not shouldering and carrying so much of the weight. And that does allow you to rest well and keep going through harder seasons because you know you have people that you can lean on. And in kids ministry, most churches don't have a kids ministry staff of two, three, four, and five. And many I would say a high percentage of churches, there's one staff member that is in kids. And I mean, I've seen this and I've experienced this. If you're out on a Sunday, you've got to work to build a team so that they, that the ministry can and should and will run if you are not there. And that's, it takes a lot of work to let go. It takes a lot of work to train people and get people on board, but it is in the long run, it's so worth it. And I think I'm so classic Enneagram too. <laughs> like I, I just need a help to like feel yeah. okay about myself. And I've been through a lot of therapy and I'm doing great if anybody was wondering, but I, uh, I just love to overcommit. And I feel like if I don't do it, it won't get done. And that's such a lie that my professional mentor, like what is you over program over calendar like overcommit, and then I end up dying, and who does that help? No one. Yeah. And so empowering your team doesn't, like, you don't do less for the kingdom. You're actually doing more. And I think I told myself that lie a long time. Like, I have to do it. Yeah. So as, obviously, you said a couple times in this podcast already, but you've been in this role for nine years. And I think as someone, in my experience, Nine years is a long time to be serving in the same spot. I think the average kids ministry leader lasts, I think the average is like three to five years yeah, in a role. Um, and before they either transition jobs or move on to another church or do whatever. And so that nine years is well past that three-year mark. And so as you've stayed through leadership transitions and families coming and going, I know for in the COVID season and just in the turmoil that our world based in those couple years. We've had families leave because they disagreed with what was happening or they came because they agreed with what was like, it's, it's been a really hard season in ministry for a lot of people. And so for you, what does being faithful look like for you as a ministry leader? 
Uh, it's first and foremost, which is funny that I'm on a children's ministry podcast. I'm about to give a very children's ministry answer. It's Jesus, first and <laughs> foremost. I, and I truly believe that. And I, again, have not done it perfectly, but taking care of like my own relationship with the Lord, because yeah. I have seen it. And I'll tell you, I trust that he will take care of you and make it clear for you and sustain you no matter what. And I think of particular seasons where I really wanted to quit. Like it was really hard. I didn't want to do it anymore. I begged God to please, like, I don't want to do this anymore. And he's been abundantly clear, like audibly clear that that's not what he's asking me to do. Mm -hmm. And so one of those times my mentor pushed me. She's like, you need to pray because God will make it clear um, if this is currently a season you need to stay in or leave. And I didn't want to do it. I didn't want to do it. And then I was in a situation where I just finally had to do it. I was in my car. My phone died. I went through all the CDs in my car. I was on a three-hour drive by myself. And I was like, okay, finally pray. And I'll ask. And God audibly said, I'm asking you to stay, but I'm going to sustain you through it. And even though it wasn't the answer I wanted at that moment, it's the answer I'm grateful for now. Yeah. Because he is true to his word that he did sustain me through it. And even though my circumstances didn't automatically change, my soul changed. And I've been through dark nights in the soul while doing ministry, which I think is tough to admit because you're supposed to be the spiritual leader. But what happens when the spiritual leader is also going through tough spiritual battles as well. I went through severe, like, spiritual warfare in 2020. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so some practices of being with Jesus— and practicing his way uh, have like built systems around even when I've gone through spiritually tough seasons. But for me, what it looks like to be faithful is to always first be faithful to God Mm -hmm. and not to the to-do lists and not to anything else, but first God, because we're going to get to love and enjoy him forever. And so that also looks like having healthy relationships with God, health that also looks like having healthy relationships first with God. And then I have a mentor that holds my feet to the fire when I don't want to be in the word and she is always pushing me. So yeah. finding those safe people to do that with, but having that, that emotional health overflows to having emotional health with your team yeah. and your ministry. And so being faithful first looks like taking care of your relationship with God. Mm-hmm. Second, I think practically, Some things I've learned, just if you are leading a children's ministry, praying for them, I put it in my calendar. I think in scripture, it says that God's like entrusted us with people in this church. And so I put in my calendar to stop and pray for them at this time. It's like a liturgy I have in my life, but also stop and pray for people in the moment in your church. I think I can feel so busy on a Sunday that nobody can stop me. Uh, And what would it look like to see actual people, not just things that need to get done. And I pray that God would like interrupt me Mm. so I can help pray for people in our church. Instead of the, oh, I'll be praying for you this week. Mm. It's like, no, let's stop and pray right now. It can be a five word prayer. Like it could be something so simple, but I love that. I love that imagery of I'm asking God to interrupt me in my busyness on a Sunday morning to see people. And I will admit, it feels awkward to be like, can I pray for you right now? Totally. It's so, so awkward. awkward. Yeah. And I, I even do calls 
uh, I w- I'm not as consistent right now, but I used to call all my team members and uh, pray for them in the moment. And it yeah. can feel awkward. Like, that's okay. Yeah. But I think my second practical note is, like, always follow up, even when it's hard. Yeah. Uh, even when it will be a tough conversation, yep. I just always think it's better just to follow up and apologize and get it aired out, even if it's nothing. Yeah. Like, I have... planned events where maybe I wasn't as considerate to certain aspects and following up with families and apologizing. And some were like, I didn't even notice. And some were like, I'm so grateful. Mm -hmm. And so I think being faithful in your ministry role looks like immediate follow-up. And I wasn't good at that. And I had to get better at that. But you're not just a leader. You're helping point people back to Jesus. So practically, I would say pray and follow up are the first two things that come to mind, Yeah, what it means to be faithful. That's awesome. I love that follow-up piece because you don't think about that when you think about like being faithful, but you are like, you are being faithful to those relationships. And just like you would, if something, if you said something to a best friend that hurt their feelings, your automatic response would be like, I'm so sorry. Like I value this friendship and I want to like stay best friends. And I feel like that can also apply to the parents in your ministry. I've had to make so many phone calls where it's like, Hey, I dropped the ball. I didn't communicate this. We didn't think about you and your family. I'm so sorry. And instead of pointing fingers and saying, well, it was so-and-so's problem, or I was busy doing this, like just owning it. And I've been on the receiving end of those conversations. I've been the one who's calling the ministry leaders and having those conversations. And in the end, it always is better. It's, and even what I was talking about earlier of like, I have my lead team and then my lead teachers, they handle problems for me. So I'm up at service, something happens down in our children's ministry and my lead team handles it and they handle it beautifully because of the leaders that they are, because we've trained them in this, because we give them this vision. But I, I don't just leave it there. It's still my overarching responsibility. So empowering people and what is your responsibility? So I still, if something happens, I'm still following up being like, I know my lead team handled this well. I also want you to hear from me and parents, I think are really appreciative of that. Yeah, for sure. I love that. All right. Our last question we always ask is if you were talking to someone brand new to kids ministry, what would be your words of advice or encouragement? First of all, welcome. Yay. So excited that you're here. Uh, I, Sabbath has changed my life and it will look different in different seasons and you won't do it perfectly. I didn't know how to do it. I'd rather run myself to the ground than stop and rest. And my personhood and my emotional health and my capacity to handle things on a Sunday was revolutionized by Sabbathing. Mm-hmm. And so if you're 22 years old and you just need an internship to graduate, that's going to look so different mm-hmm. than a me, 30-year-old living alone, or a 40-year-old with kids who's doing also doing children's ministry. Mm-hmm. But finding what works for you, it doesn't have to be perfect each week, but it is a practice that has made me a better person, a better follower of Jesus and a better leader. And so please Sabbath, 
I think Sabbathing has led me to how to have a non-anxious presence. And I was not good at this until maybe, I don't know, last year, <laughs> last <laughs> week. Uh, but children's ministry is stressful. Yeah. Like the, just this past Sunday, the lights, the electricity went out in ours while volunteers were coming, which one of our team members said, good thing we've got the light of the world. I'm like, that was a good one. Uh, we still need to see. Uh, we're in a basement. The electricity went out. Two people called out sick at the same time. I mean, people are arriving. Uh, printers were not working. They were either printing uh maybe 30 seconds after we sent the name tag to the printer or not at all. No idea what was happening. Uh, Babies were crying. A room got really overheated. I mean, that's so many different things that's happening at once. And as the children's ministry leader, you absorb all those things and you put out all the fires. But for so long, and I don't want to say I regret this because I was learning and growing, but for so long, everybody around me would feel all those things too. Mm. And you have the power as the children's ministry leader to absorb those things. And I am a stressed person sometimes. And so I really had to work through it, but absorb those things. You can still feel that stress, but how do you have a non-anxious presence? How do you be a differentiate leader who the ups and downs, you're still steady. A deep trust in the Lord, Sabbathing, having the emotional health will make you a good leader. And so that no one feels the burden of my stress. Yeah. So really pursuing a non-anxious presence. And again, I didn't do that for a very long time, but it's made all the difference for our team and for our families and our kids and for myself. It's tough being in ministry because your whole personal life is also your professional life. And so finding your one or two people that you really trust, and it doesn't have to be in the church, like my mentor lives in Arizona. And, but then also my best friend in the world are like people I trust who will love the church no matter what. And you can be honest with about the ups and the downs, uh, but you can just have a safe place to land. And so finding your like core people who will also speak truth back to you. Like my, like I said earlier, my mentors put my feet to the fire. So will speak truth to me and not just be like, they're there, you'll be okay but has helped, like, God has used them to refine me. Uh, Love God the most. I've definitely been through seasons where I'm like, I love the church so much, but do I love God more than, like, the the events I'm planning or not idolizing the church that you're in, but pushing your heart towards God first Mm -hmm. because he will be with you forever. And then the trust that Jesus is over his church. Like I had a vision one time that Jesus was like over our church. And he said, I am over all of this. Like he just had, he loves every square inch of his church. That's why he died for it. Even when it floods. We had a very large flood in our church. We had a flood a couple weeks ago in our children's ministry. And Jesus still loves it. Like he sees this brokenness and loved it so much and was willing to die for it. And if, like, my Savior felt that way, then I'm going to trust that he's, like, over it, too. So even in all the different seasons, even when it's hard to see that Jesus is over his church. That's awesome. I love all the words you had to say. It was so good. It was just so, I feel like, and my hope is that as people are listening, I feel very refreshed. 
I feel just like very encouraged by seeing one, I know you, and I've been able to watch you from afar and experience the way that you lead and talk to you every once in a while. And so it's been a joy for me to see you grow and lead. And now that we're back in Colorado, like we get to just talk more often. And I love that. Um, but also just the way that you spoke about how, how deeply you believe in your bones that I think you said it earlier of like, God has loved your church and his church long before you ever did. And he will love it long after you leave. And I think that is so true. And something that as leaders, like we have been called to lead in this one point of time, these, this one group of families and that has where, that's where God has called us to lead. And we just get to be a little tiny blimp in like God's big picture and God's big story. And that's a gift. Um, but we can't forget that long before and long after God continues to reign as key. And all that stuff in between the before and after, all the ebbs and flows we were talking about, all the different seasons of abundant and refinement. Like I said in the beginning, it's truly all about him. Like it's just about his glory in him. And that makes it all worth it. That's awesome. Well, thank you. Uh, thank you for being on the podcast. Uh, uh, always. If our listeners would like to ask you more questions, have more conversation about your lead team and the structure, where can they find you? Uh, you can always email me at Melanie, M-E-L-A-N-I-E, at parkchurch.org. And then I think what... I'm going to do is try and snag that weed spot form. Oh, okay. And we can share it. Yeah. Cause I think that is, could be potentially like life changing for your team. And so I'll try and link that in the show notes so that our listeners can use that for their own teams and figure out those sweet spots. And so we'll figure out a way to get that to everybody listening so they can figure out their own sweet spots. Yeah. That'd be um, awesome. Yeah, knowing your team individually, because at that same training, we wrote a card for every single person mm-hmm. on our team, and we gave them one word, and we didn't repeat any words that represented that team member. Yeah. And so knowing your team well helps you celebrate them well. And guess how much that celebration cost? It was free, because uh, I just made a little card yeah. on pages with our logo and just put in their names and the one word, like two sentences how grateful we are and the one word that describes them and like people felt really loved by that. So when yeah. you know your team, even if your budget's low, you can still celebrate them well. Yeah. That's awesome. I love that. The more you know your team, the better you can celebrate them. That's so sweet. Um well good. Well thanks again for being on the podcast. Uh Lauren, I'd do anything you'd ask me to do. So of course that's super easy. Big fan yep. of the Jacksons. Oh gosh, thank you. That's very sweet. Um so as always, if you enjoyed this episode as much as I enjoyed listening to Melanie. We would love for you to rate and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts. That's how more kids ministry leaders find out about Kids Ministry Circle and the Kids Ministry Circle podcast. 
We love when you share it with ministry friends. Um, and as always, we can continue the conversation over on Instagram and Facebook at Kids Ministry Circle. And we hope you guys have a great rest of your week and we'll see you next time. Friends, that episode with Melanie was so encouraging. I feel like I could have sat on the couch and talked to her for many, many more hours. And so I hope that you just loved hearing her heart for her ministry here in Denver, Colorado, but for all leaders to find healthy rhythms and to continue to seek Jesus in and through um, good times and bad times in ministry. And so I hope you enjoyed this conversation. As always, if you love this podcast episode, we would love for you to pass it along to a friend in ministry. We love when you like and subscribe to this podcast and give us a rating and review over on Apple Podcasts so more people can find the Kids Ministry Circle podcast. Don't forget, this is the last week to pre-sign up for the Kids Ministry Circle cohort so you get first access to sign up for our spring cohort that starts on March 1st. As always, if you want to continue this conversation, you can head over and follow us along on Instagram and Facebook at Kids Ministry Circle. And if you have any other questions about Kids Ministry Circle, how to get involved, what resources we have, head over to kidsministrycircle.com. Thanks so much for listening and we'll see you next time.